Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. I, I kind of did a delayed clap there. I realized it was it was not in rhythm, um, but it was... I also, I feel like I kind of jumped the gun a little bit too. So like you hesitated slightly and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you're just full of energy. And I was like, <laughs> just, yeah, come on. Second guessing my claps. <laughs> the sync claps. They're, you know. You gotta commit, man. You gotta commit to the but claps. It's, but it's indicative of uh the episode, I think, of how we're gonna go mm. about this today. I don't know. Maybe. You, you said dick. <laughs> I, th- I said in dick. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh. That's a that's vulgar that's a vulgar way to start this show, Caleb, and I uh I abhor that. No, I'm sorry. I meant to say I applaud that. I applaud that. <laughs> I was like, wait yeah, a second. I, yeah. More <laughs> as as we uh, said in in uh, our meeting for Somnium, our short film that we are now funding, nightshiftradio.com/somnium. More mm, dick jokes. <laughs> more. <laughs> the director was very adamant. No, no, more just, dick jokes. If if dick jokes were like a slider on the mixing board, just kind of like, let's let's inch, inch that, that up. up a little bit. But these go to eleven. <laughs> That's hey, remember last week? Often. Remember what a shit show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. You know, poor Megs. Yeah, I. I do feel. I do feel bad. Like when, when Casey was on and he got that really good. Like the first episode he guest hosted on, he got such a great movie, and I was like, oh, this is great. And then he got to the next movie, and I was like, well, we're back, back to, uh, <laughs> back to normal, I guess. I. So I've picked the last six episodes, right? So I picked all of January. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um i picked well technically you picked asteroid uh uh you you show i think you showed that movie you were like oh my god this movie and i was like that sounds like yeah. me yeah and and then i picked the first uh, i picked two of the episodes in february you picked two of the others and the first one we're going to do in february um I, I chose so uh before we get into that that being said hello and welcome to the never heard of a podcast i'm your host michael fight and I am alienated. I am selfish. I am. Oh, I got. I had it, and then I fucking lost the melody. And you know what? That's spectacular. I like. Oh man, I wish I, I wish I could quantum leak back in time and and sing that better. Alienated. I am selfish. I am wrong. I am wrong. I swear I'm right. <laughs> <laughs>
I swear I knew it all along. So, so Caleb's like holding up his mason jar of water, and I feel like that's definitely one of those songs that requires a mason jar of some form of liquid to sing, because like it's hipster, but also like like <laughs> sing along. <laughs> like it is also a scream at the top of your lungs song, you know. So it is. It yeah. is. Dashboard. And I, like, oh, dashboard. Yeah. They're they're doing the well. They he really. Yeah. But they, I guess, doing that doing that tour with Jimmy World, like now or soon. I think it's like there's yeah. a, a big one. Happening. Well, I think it ju- yeah, I think it kicked off uh, last November. I uh, you know, I my uh, my ex wife was a very big Dashboard fan, and I had only ever okay. known Screaming Infidelities at the time. This is 2006 when we had first met. So yeah. this is 2006, and I'd known Screaming Infidelities. I could not tell you like I I would always forget who the band was, but I knew a lot of people were really into them. And uh, one day for her birthday, I bought her tickets to go see Dashboard Confessional. And, uh, you know, at this point, it was a couple of years into the relationship. I was more familiar with them because she would play their songs all the time. And we went and saw Dashboard Confessional. And, uh, you know, I don't like to shame people based on height because those are things that people can't control, right? Like, you can't control how tall you are, and I don't think you should really make fun of that. Uh, However, uh, there's, there's two exceptions to this rule. One, I will constantly point out Anytime somebody becomes all uh, alpha male macho bravo about Joe Rogan and be like, hey, I'm taller than Joe Rogan. Um, <laughs> I will always point that out because, you know, fuck that guy. Uh, but then also, uh, uh, Chris Cornell. Caraba. Caraba that's the, yeah, Cornell the, the is other the, guy. the sound yep. garden dude. So Chris Caraba <laughs> is like five foot two. He's a very and he small looks man. Five foot two. Like that's the other thing. Uh, like know, Tom like, Cruise. Like he, that's one of those ones where, like, when you find out how tall Tom Cruise is, you're like, oh shit, really? But like, because you wouldn't think he looks that short or that he is that short. But Chris Caraba, like, when you see him, you're like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I I have mixed fit. This this we're we're already off track. This isn't a music podcast, but it could be. It's, it's not, not though. Uh, I have mixed feelings about about Dashboard Confessional, but you know what I will say uh, is that, and I okay, I have to hedge this because I've seen him be absolutely terrible. Like I've I've seen him live and he can't carry a note that at all. Was but my, like, yeah. Like under the right circumstances, he could sing really fucking well, and he writes a good melody, and you know it's it's catchy, and he's successful, and congratulations to him. I really ha- I ha- I harbor no ill will towards him. Um, but that said, I, I think I really stopped listening to them before that the the vindicated song, whatever record that was. Yeah. Was that a Mark Mission of Brandis Uh, I it was Spider Man Two. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what album, so I just know it was Spider Man Two. Regardless, I, I really stopped listening to b- before that, but that's just one of those songs that you just you always hear places, yep. and so like I know the song, even though I wasn't really into them at the time that it came out. Um, I still mostly think of the obviously uh, the 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 one with the race cars. The, 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 I think you said the title earlier. I don't remember. It doesn't. You know, nothing fucking matters. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> And then the the uh, the couple of EPs he does where he did the, the acoustic version of Hands Down. Yeah. I liked that. It was a good yeah, song. Yeah, I, I liked Hands Down. I, I learned to play it on guitar. It was, you know, it was my ex-wife's favorite <laughs> song, so I learned to play it on guitar for her, you know, as you do. Um, you do. But, but my thing was about, like, seeing him in concert is he was one of those guys where he would he would start the song by singing, like, the first line, 
and then just mm-hmm. turn the mic to the audience the whole time. And I was like, listen, man, like we paid a crazy amount of money to see you <laughs> fucking sing this song live, not for me to sing this song to you. That it, this yeah, is the other way around. Like, I, you know, I get like doing it on the chorus of like your hit song. I get it. But like he did it to every song and like verses. And if after a while, I, I even turned to my, my ex-wife and I remember being like, is he going to ever like perform for us? Or are we just is are we auditioning to him? Like, that's what this guy sounds like. Yeah. She was like, I know I've seen him a couple times and he does this a lot, but it's still great. And I'm like, OK, that's what it is. So. All right. Early Further Scenes Forever, that first EP yeah. and into, into the first full length, fucking, oh my God, so good. And then like the, the early dashboard stuff comes in, I'm like, okay, this is all right. And then he starts touring on that and I feel like it just kind of got progressively worse. And I don't know if it was nerves or if it was substance abuse or any number of things, but I just feel like his, his performances got progressively worse over the years. And I think he got popular enough that he could hide that by just letting the audience sing along and like you don't actually hear him. Yeah. And I feel like that's why I no longer think of him as like not being able to perform because like you don't actually see him do it anymore. Uh, fucking brilliant. Yeah, right. He probably threw out his voice like, you know, five years into his career and then was like, fuck, I can only studio actually, sing. What do I do? That would make a lot of sense too yeah. because like there was like fucking huge melodies, especially on that, that old further yeah. stuff. Huge melodies, and yeah, he probably did fucking shit up. And here, like, maybe you know what? This this might be a lesson in me being less judgy because I spent a lot of time thinking like this guy can't fucking sing at all. But like, maybe it really was just you know, just he just trashed it and he couldn't figure out how to how to adapt. Like the dude from uh, from Snapcase, like destroyed his vo- like physically destroyed his vocal cords. Then they came out with N Transmission and was like their best stuff, in my opinion. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, they could also go like the Miley Cyrus way where she had this like angelic, you know, Disney pop princess voice. And now she's like, you know, a fucking uh, 1940s lounge singer, <laughs> like, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. deep jazz bars. <laughs> you know, she's got that gravelly, <laughs> like, I smoke a million packs a day. I'm going to, hey, everybody, I'm Miley Cyrus, y'all. I'm going to sing you a song. <laughs> But it just sounds so like gritty and raw and soulful, and you're like fucking here for it, you know? Yes. You know, but yes. like, you know, it, it it's it's the Aerosmith thing. Like Miley Cyrus, yeah. Miley Cyrus has fa- fallen into the footsteps of Steven Tyler just way earlier than she should have because she's still like 24. I love Aerosmith. We've gone over this. I I, I back this. <laughs> I back Aerosmith completely. There's a lot of music from that, like specifically from that like late 60s to like late 80s era. Uh, and I, I realize that that's covering a tremendous amount of uh, like iconic. Both, you know, music, iconic music release as well as genre shifts and whatnot. Uh, I'm not intending to generalize, but just in general, there's a lot of music from that era that I'm like, eh, whatever. It's, you know, it's probably good. It just doesn't do it for me. I fucking love Aerosmith. <laughs> They're uh, they're up and running. Uh, so so uh, to digress. So I mentioned I, I I picked six of the move the last six movies we have watched. I picked them, and uh-huh. I would say two thirds of them were good movies. Right. That seems. I. I mean, I missed a third of them, right. so I guess I'm gonna have to go on on your word for. Yeah. Well, yeah. So two thirds of them, uh, I would consider to be 
you know, they, I would say that spans from like, this is watchable to like, this is a very good film. That's, that's where I would sure. say is good. We'll fall, we'll fall into that category sure. and not the like, just don't watch it at all. Um, which is not bad. That's not bad, especially since no. the way we pick these movies is we think of a theme. If it's a theme month, this month it's aliens. We're going to talk about aliens. You know what? I do. In hindsight, I realized I could have gone with, you're an alien, alien, it's a beautiful rain. <laughs> with a, a bush deep cut Oh, there. wow. That, I, okay, I can get down on that. Apparently, I'm in a mood today. You're in a, I'm, I'm here for it, Caleb. I, I, I don't know. This just kind of, this really just happened. And, uh, <laughs> I have no explanation for it. <laughs> so today's movie is, as Caleb uh, has serenaded us with, is called Alienated. <laughs> now, there is a couple of different versions of this movie floating around. Well, it's a couple of different uh, um, movies with this title floating around. This one is specifically the one from 2021. Uh, it is currently mm -hmm. streaming on uh, Tubi TV as well as Prime Video. Uh, so there's a yeah. couple of different ways to watch it. Um, I... I would say the best way I could describe this movie is like wholesome. This is a wholesome yeah. movie. Yeah, it's, it is rather because wholesome. Because you've got, like when you really break it down, you've got a couple of different aspects to it. You've got father and son relationship. Mm -hmm. You've got dealing with uh, things like OCD and panic, uh, panic attacks, anxiety disorder, let's say an anxiety disorder. And then you've got uh, finding love and the relationships uh, therein uh, with with that. So you, you've kind of got all those three things. Do they pull any of them off? Uh, they're honestly, it's a little shaky, right? Like <laughs> all three of them are there, and they all kind of have a resolution, but the resolutions none of them felt satisfying. However, I still don't think this is a bad movie. Yeah, so we've talked about this uh, a lot about how there are a number of different like buckets that the movies we watch fall into from just absolute tr garbage, like trash that you know I, I wish that I hadn't subjected myself yeah. to, uh, such as Relaxer, yeah. uh, to like really badly executed but like had a good premise to you know what you tried and we're proud of you to hey this was good. All the way up to like, fuck, you know, best movie ever, a la, you know, The Man Who Killed Hitler and then The Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, we've got this whole spectrum. This really, I, I think it falls solidly into, I'm fucking proud of you. You did yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Because I mean, it, it's not, it's not a bad movie. I love the idea of this movie. The plot of this movie is mm -hmm. super cute. I mean, honestly, this, this, I feel like, this is another one of those movies that would have done a really good job had it gone through like a script doctor to kind of pump mm -hmm. it up a little bit. Because I think it, the the part that I feel like it missed out on is is the underlying better plot of this movie is that it's a rom-com. And mm -hmm. they didn't embrace that. And I think they tried to make, I think they tried to make um, too much of a sci-fi film and not enough of a rom-com with a sci-fi aspect to it. Yeah, and then it, it also does suffer from, like, what you like to point out often is just too many plot lines. Yeah. Uh, there would, like, honestly, like, pick any one 
take it out. Like, I guess there's essentially three that you mentioned earlier. Pick any one of those, take it out, focus on the other two. You know, it's like, it's the, the whole, you can have two uh, yeah. idea. Like you can't, it's you can't two. do all We're of Panera. them and do them well. Yeah. Movie yeah. making is Panera. You <laughs> pick two. You pick two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> take, take any one of them out. Uh, in, in my opinion, I would have removed the, the, um, the, like bizarre, like my dad's a, a hoarder since my mom died storyline, yeah. uh, because that really contributed nothing that couldn't have been done through just like a passing scene of like, oh, this gear is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Or just his dad being an inventor and that's what spawned him to be the person that mm-hmm. he is. Like it didn't need that yeah. extra layer of any of that. I, I'll be honest. Yeah. I actually thought they were going to go in the direction of his mom being an alien, and that's why he was being so affected by the every time the UFOs appeared. Or, like, his dad having somehow, like, had the breakthrough in, like, you know, that, like, is what shattered their lives, and, like, nobody believed him or something like that. Or yeah. he, he just, like, he knew he was close and, like, he was going to do it. And, like, it just nothing really ever came of the, the plot with his dad other than, like, uh, a, a, I guess a, a, a slightly too realistic... Where you know the, the father has a, a panic attack so bad that he thinks it's a heart attack. Everyone thinks the father's dying, and then he realizes okay, and then he finally acknowledges that his son's uh, anxiety disorder is legitimate. Uh, and that's you know that's a little bit too realistic uh, yeah. <laughs> for a movie like this because that's like people don't often understand uh, how how like serious a, a bad panic attack can feel, and so they you know people like those who suffer from them can be made fun of or like dismissed. And so like this, in a way, kind of a nice acknowledgement of that, that like, yes, mental health is real. Take care of yourselves, please. But like, it was just, it was a really like awkwardly handled, like, oh, I just thought you were a wuss, son. Cause his dad's Irish. like yeah. Irish or something. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know, that's, that, I definitely agree with you. I think, I think the, the whole idea of that is either you go all into it and make it a, a story about, you know, father and son reconnecting, you know, mm-hmm. or later in life and him helping you like them both kind of rediscovering and helping each other or whatever like that. Or you just drop it in. I, I just would have rather dropped it and had him be like that stereotypical Irish dad of like, ah, you're just a pansy. Ah, the blood. Uh, <laughs> back in my day, I was a fucking inventor. And I don't know. You're just cycling through every accent. I, you know, I got you like three in that one. It was pretty. It was pretty solid. Like in my brain, I was like, "Please stop, stop doing it. Why are you still going?" And I was just like, "I've, I've already. I can't just stop mid sentence. I'm gonna keep going." And it was, yeah, just, it went. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit though. pirate in there too. I was kind of proud of that one. A little yeah. bit. A little bit. <laughs> Sorry, you had a pen. Um, uh, but yeah, like. So either go into it and make it like the biggest part of your movie, because that could have been good too. You could have pulled, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, Gracie Lacey, uh, uh, Jordan. I just, her real name is Gracie Lacey. Like who that's amazing. It, you know what? It, it not only is that an amazing name, but absolutely in 100% steals the show. In oh, this. totally. Like, the, like, listen, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say that the, the actors in this or the writing or anything like that is just straight up bad, but a lot of it is very like stiff and wooden. Yeah. And a lot of the characters don't really have much chemistry and don't really like have a lot of personality behind them. And I don't know how much of that is on any one individual. I know I'm not, sure. I'm not here to assign blame. Uh, but that said, Gracie Lacey is flawless in every fucking scene. And like, she makes this movie 
as watchable as it is. Like without her, like with with someone less adept in the role of Jordan Waters, this would have sunk much lower yeah. in the like. Yeah. it was watchable, but I didn't enjoy it sort of thing. But like, she just has such a presence on screen and like delivers every scene with the, the perfect level of like not taking it seriously, but like delivered as a serious actor. And I, I just, I, it's just a delight to watch. You know, you know who she kind of reminded me of it, that she very much felt like eighties, nineties, Nora Ephron, Meg Ryan, like, like okay. Norma, like okay. she was the Meg Ryan of this movie. That's why I think I I kind of fell into that rom com thing because I I see Jordan, I see her behavior, the character they built her up to, and I'm like, this is totally a Nora Ephron character in a movie not written by Nora Ephron. It's like if it's like <laughs> if, if somebody wrote a whole movie and then was like oh shit, there's no women in this movie. And, you know, they're like knocked on their neighbor's door who happened to be Nora Ephron. And they were just like, <laughs> hey, uh, so I got this movie and I'm writing it, but I, I didn't put any women in it. And they were like, I got you, baby. Don't worry about it. And she just <laughs> slides over a script that's just Gracie Lacey and with like a headshot of Gracie Lacey. And it's like, here you go. That's that's your movie. You know, like takes a drag of a cigarette and says like, now get the fuck off my lawn. And they're like, yes, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I apologize. Um, it's, it's like every line was delivered with that kind of like side eye, like smirk of like, I'm going to say something stupid. Are you going to call me on it? Right. Right, and she pulls it off. <laughs> or you just said something stupid, and I'm not going to call you on it, but I want you to know that I said <laughs> that you like, those kinds of deliveries. Yeah. Everything is just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I I would love, you know, I, I took a look at her IMD prof, uh, uh, profile. It looks like um, she has done only one thing since this, um, but it was uh, literally a project for a documentary class. She's obviously young. Um, you know, I, I would say, obviously, she's maybe college age, uh, I don't know. Um, but I would love to see her in more things. Uh, I would mm -hmm. love to see her on a proper rom-com. I think she would absolutely kill it. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Totally. Um, so let's kick off this movie. So as we mentioned, this movie starts off with a flashback. Um, with It starts off with a scene 20 years ago. And there's a couple of things about this that were a little like, I didn't really, like it, I, I was trying to like place it and it, like one of the things didn't make sense. And I think this also harkens back to the other actors feeling so stiff is that there was a very specific line said that I was like, wait, is, was that a joke or, or are you seriously saying it? So the, the scene starts, you know, it's 20 years ago. We see a young boy, uh, and his dad comes home from work and he's like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm your dad. And here I am speaking Irish uh, accented. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the kid's super excited to see him and they start talking about like, Oh, this is the thing. We get the immediate impression that the dad is an inventor. He's got this cool gear thing. Uh, with him and he's like this is it like this is one of the things I need like this will be the time I actually you know finish my invention and the mom comes in and everything is very like generic hallmark like it is it was like the first couple of minutes of this movie I was like oh this is awkward like it's just cheesy cheesy is probably <laughs> the best word I could think of but there's yeah. a line that's delivered where the kid says something to the effect of like Oh, he says like, oh, uh, he the the dad lights up a cigarette, and the you know, and the mom's like, what did we say about smoking in the house? He's like, all right, let's go to the man cave. Uh, and I was just like, ugh, god. But uh, again, this is two thousand one. I guess this is supposed to be set. 
Yeah. And he says to the kid something, and the kid's like, Dad, that worked when I was five. And he's like, yeah, but what are you, like six now? But the way the de- line is delivered made me think that the, the dad was, like, poking fun of him, being like, yeah, you're six now. But the kid's, like, 14. So... <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> like, I thought that it was old. a little, like... Little unfinished because it, it yeah it seemed like he was joking like oh you're not really much older but like the kid clearly was yeah like so it, it but it just it was just poorly delivered so it landed really weird and I was like I don't like I don't know how to take that like I don't know if that was a way of establishing age or yeah. if it was just a really poorly delivered joke and I I think yeah. I think I I've settled on poorly delivered joke I I think so too because that that's how I picked up on it and. Uh, honestly, if it was supposed to establish the kid's age, it, it did even worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, anyway, so we meet three characters, uh, aside from the main character in this, we meet the dad, the mom and the neighbor. Um, and the neighbor, uh, does come into play a little later. Um, the mom who is played by Rachel Strutt, uh, Veronica, uh, and, uh, the neighbor is, is that Elaine? No, uh, she was younger. The one that. that that helps out later. Yeah, that's Liz. Who? Uh, okay, so Karen Rich, uh, who plays Liz. This is her only credit yeah. in IMDb, and I love that so much more. So, like looking through the, these actor profiles, uh, the bulk of them really haven't been in very many things, like student productions or like this is their one and only thing, or maybe they've been in like two other like short films or something yep. like that. Like it's a mix, but these are all like relatively unknown people, which. First of all, I think it's yeah, great. Totally fine. Uh, but as I was watching the character of Liz throughout the movie, all I could think of was like, this person isn't acting. She thinks this is actually happening. And like this is this is just <laughs> she's her. genuinely concerned for the for like, the dad. <laughs> she really wonder like she's worried about this man who has like kind of fallen into this super deep depression since his wife died and like has become a hoarder and is like depressed and all of these things. And then like he, you know, when he has the, the anxiety attack and he thinks he's having a heart attack and she takes him to the hospital, like she is legit worried about her friend here. She doesn't know that a movie's <laughs> happening. And that like it's brilliant. Because it's not that I'm saying that Karen Rich is an amazing actor, so to speak. Uh, it's more that I don't think, <laughs> I don't believe she's actually acting. <laughs> I think they just, it just started filming her actual reactions to other people and gave her a character. <laughs> and she was just like, I don't understand why you're putting this old makeup on me. It's weird. But anyways, is someone going to take care of this calling me Liz? <laughs> that reminds me of like, I told you my name is Karen. Where everyone like makes the joke that like uh, Willem Dafoe wasn't actually supposed to be in uh, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. He just sort of showed up and started acting like <laughs> the Green Goblin. And they're just like, wow, let's just keep the cameras running. <laughs> this is the movie now. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I love that because, you know, I, I messaged you while I was in the middle of watching this. And we uh, we later meet uh, the, the two scientists. So David, uh, all grown up, yep. uh, played by Michael Aaron Carrico. Carrico. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Bill Summers, played by David Crowley Broyles. These are, these are long everyone names. Everyone needs a middle uh, name. That's important. Everyone... Just about everyone has one too, yeah, uh, including James Chili Chillingworth. I, I just can't tell if they're like serial killers or if there just were other people with their names. But when we meet these two scientists, I messaged you later. I'm like, this feels like alternate reality. Brandon Ruth and Nelson Frank. Totally, hundred percent. 
That led me to thinking, like, you know, there, there's the meme going around, like, pick a movie, one actor stays, everyone else is replaced with Muppets. Uh, but my idea for this movie was to actually replace uh, Michael and David with uh, Brandon and Nelson. Uh, keep Gracie Lacey. Everyone else is <laughs> I I completely agree. Because think of... Flawless film at Think that of point. the guy, the alien hunter guy, as a Muppet. <laughs> Just like... He'd be Sam the yeah. Eagle. <laughs> all a bunch of weirdos. I love it. That'd be great. I... Yeah. The future of the country is at stake. <laughs> so... You know, that all happens, and, you know, we kind of get an inkling that, you know, the dad's an inventor, but he's, you know, kind of not really a crackpot, but he's he's not he's not a successful inventor, right? It's a thing that, like, it's a pipe dream, pie-in-the-sky type thing. He's a mechanic who's trying to invent a perpetual motion machine, which, that's... That sounds like that's, that's me talking down to mechanics. No, it's not. It's just like nobody's invented a perpetual motion machine. And you, know, you don't expect it to come from someone who like fixes broken things to say, like, I'm going to create this thing that literally no one can. So uh, in a way, it's kind of a, an interesting twist, but it's also not particularly believable. Yeah. Uh, and I think the only thing that that that. I mean, really, the only reason and purpose that serves of the dad having this sort of moment and, you know, doing that is is so that when we see um, David in the future uh, as grown up, that he is a scientist trying to invent um, hyperdrive technology, I guess, like uh, Basically, deep space yeah. travel. They're, he and uh, Bill, David and Bill are trying to win a NASA grant for... Uh, the, a proposal for uh, basically an interstellar drive of some sort. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so I think th that whole the whole father thing only exists to do that. But as we see in the future, uh, you know, and Caleb has pointed out, mom has died uh, at, for some reason. Was it a car crash? So we do like they get little like snippet flashbacks. So this. I, I don't know how I feel about the, this method of storytelling. I feel like sometimes it works, but most of the time it doesn't. Where like we get the the sequence in the beginning where we meet the family, and you know we see that you know, like it, everything seems pretty well, but then they they move on to the the, the man cave, which is really just the garage, yeah. and the the dad is tinkering, and you start to see a little bit of tension between him and the mother, and then later on we get another flashback, and there's an argument and later on we get another flashback and then there's the moment where she leaves and it's a stormy night and it's raining really bad. And like, there's another driver who's like sleeping and you know, falling asleep at the wheel basically. And they end up colliding. And that's, that's, we learn how she dies that oh, night right. 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that. Yeah. yeah. There's that uh, mom died. Like, it, that's, that's enough. It's like, a cliche. It didn't add anything. All it did was, like, it created the motivation for the father to be, like, an, in this downward spiral, which, again, that plot doesn't add anything. So her death being the motivation for that doesn't add anything. Like, you can you can scale this way back. Yeah. I mean, so that, you know, as you said earlier, that comes down to the pick, too. Like, if that's the plot you're going into, go into that plot. Because we do also spend a very large portion of the movie with uh, David and uh, Bill, like, mathing out and talking about how, you know, what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how they're going to do it. And they go through, like, we see them do experiments and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. like, that's cool. But that, the problem is, is you have 
the the father, you know, be, becoming a hoarder and motivating the kid to also become some form of uh, physicist, engineer type person to making his thing. But then it also that also bridged the gap between meeting uh, Jordan, played by Gracie Lacey, meeting Jordan, which also has a tie to that. But it's like because of that middle portion, you either do the first or you do the second. You can't do both properly. And they didn't. I mean, neither are given the full justice that they de- they deserve. And I yeah. agree with you. I, I would have dropped the, fa- I just would have made the father a failed inventor and called it a day. And then just, yeah. just been like, yeah, my dad, you know, was always tinkering with things and that's what got me involved in science that's it. That's all even, you need to know. <laughs> he can still be a whore. Even having just like a like a near throwaway moment of just like uh, you know, while the kid was young, his dad taking him aside and like they look at the stars together or something like that, or like you know his dad gives him a, you know the telescope or like you know, have a like helping him with his physics homework or something like that, just to show that the father was directly influential and not that like him trying to be successful is like, it almost feels like it's in spite of his dad. Yeah. You know, and the whole thing about like the, the father son relationship and him being a hoarder and stuff, like you could have added that into the movie and just not solve it. You didn't have to solve, like the, the dad didn't have to have this realization moment. He literally could have just been like, Hey, my dad's a hoarder, but like it's because he was an inventor, so he always just saved junk around the house. So I always was like finding, you know, his inventions and playing with them, and that's what got me into wanting to start things. And that's the end of the yeah. story. Like we don't need to solve the dad. The dad can just be yeah. that guy as motivation for the character to become the scientist that he is. Like that's it. That's all. That's all we need to do. Uh, yeah. And like the the whole subplot of like somehow like he gets in a fight with the neighbor and the neighbor calls the police or something like that. Yeah, like then, code like, enforcement they, who code enforcement. And then they they condemn his home yeah. and like try to evict him. And for some reason they just leave the eviction notice taped to the front door so they can point to it every now and then when the the story demands it. I don't I don't know. Like it it that whole thing just felt like. You you have a good movie here. Just take out the take out the extra. Right. You don't. Well, you don't need but I mean, it. if you take out the whole Jordan alien subplot, that becomes your movie. Is a guy is yeah. a man struggling? You know, a, a scientist struggling with him his own OCD and struggling with you know reclamations with his father and stuff like that. And that could be yeah. your movie. But yeah. I feel like the better movie is the rom com with. Uh, uh, with with Jordan, so let's. Well, it one hundred percent is because of how because good, of how good she is. is, right? So let's go in a little bit of that. So the other thing that we see is that there is there is this other thing where uh, um, UFOs are being spotted all over the place, and uh, we meet the character of Jordan Jordan Waters. Now, uh, Jordan Waters is an artist. Um, she makes. Uh, pieces. She does uh, paintings, but like sculptures, but she does all sorts of art stuff because like we see around her apartment, she has a whole Mm -hmm. music setup. Like she has like a drum set, but also like a keyboard and a mixing board. And like, I mean, it's like a full on production studio. Definitely saw a glockenspiel in her closet. Yeah. 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 Um, which, 
Which, I mean, when we learn the thing we learn towards the end of the movie, totally makes sense, right? It's like, you know, it becomes this this collection type thing. And so we mm-hmm. meet Jordan, and Jordan, you know, is a sculptor, and she she is a very uh, well off. She she you know has uh, an agent who deals with a gallery who who like owns a gallery, and she does mm-hmm. a lot of her work through this agent. She's living in L.A. She's got a great apartment in L.A. Um, yeah, like really nice. It's a very nice. Yeah, apartment. I think it was all in Southern L.A. that this is uh, um, this was shot, and and yeah, she's got a great place. Uh, and like honestly, like this is gonna sound like a brag, but like. I live in a very inexpensive city, so when I say this, like it, it appears to rival mine, but in a city where things are at least twice as expensive. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, like, this is a very nice apartment for yeah. for for where she, It was really great. Um, but anyway, so so we meet Jordan, and you know, uh, uh, we learn that Jordan makes art. We see her making art that's all very in line with the gear object we saw in the beginning of the movie, like very specific mm-hmm. triangular shapes. And she even makes a point of like, well, the triangle is the most, you know, uh, widely recognizable uh, geometric shape. Like, of course it's it's based off triangles. Um, it's like, cool, great. Uh, and then we get, so here's where the weirdness starts to happen. So uh, our main character, as he's struggling with his dad and stuff like that, David, is start to having um, panic attacks. But when he has panic attacks, he starts to have like hallucinations. Now, mm-hmm. this is another thing I would have either pushed further or scrapped mm-hmm. altogether because it it Agreed. doesn't actually it doesn't actually lead anywhere. And when you do give it, you get an opportunity for a payoff, and he dismisses it, and it kind of cheapens the whole thing. You know, it kind of like you yeah. could have had this very like. Oh my God, that's why I was blah, blah, blah. And he, in mm-hmm. fact, he he just rejects that in the end. And it's kind of like, well, dude, like you, you thought this was what was going to happen. And then it did happen. And you were like, nope, that's not the thing. And it's like, what the, why, why did we spend the time on that then? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Cause he, he uh, specifically continues to hallucinate, like basically kind of a, a, a cliche alien face. Yeah. Like a gray alien, like big, oversized, rounded head, uh, kind of menacing looking. And he'll see it for a brief moment, and then like he'll snap out like he was in a nightmare. Um, and, you know, potentially really interesting, especially when later uh, he and Jordan have gone out on a couple of dates. There's definitely something there. They got some chemistry, and he's over at her apartment, and she's like, here, let me teach you how to paint. And she does a, a gender flip on the whole, like, stand behind you and, like, teach you how to Which golf. Which is really, uh, I actually really <laughs> like that moment. Where, like, she's holding his, his arm and he's got the paintbrush. She's like, let me guide you. And they start moving. And then he just kind of takes over and, like, he, like, gets this really intense look in his eye. And, like, it started out, she had, she had drawn or painted, like, a, a basic, like, human face. Yeah. But, like, he starts painting over it. And then next thing you know... It's the alien that he's been seeing. Oh, wow. How did he do that? He has no artistic talent at all, but like suddenly there it is. And it's actually really yeah. good. And they don't acknowledge that at all. He's just like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I, I, like I've ruined it. And like, no, that's actually really good. Why did you paint that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's a thing that should absolutely have been a focus of like 
the driving hallucinations, like go delve in, yes. like dive into that because I feel like, yes. cause again, I felt like that was what was leading me down the path that the reason why he's having those is because he's part alien because his mom was alien. There was another scene. that's a flashback and his mom takes him to this one location and she's like, she, you know, she's, he's like, Oh, isn't, isn't this the place you always go after you and dad fight? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, well, why do you always go here? And she was like, it reminds me of home. And like, then later we see Jordan in that similar area and he shows up and he mm -hmm. was like, oh, what are you doing here? And I'm like, say, say the line. Be like, oh, this place reminds me of home. And she could be like, uh -huh. oh, that's weird because that's the same thing my mom says, but she doesn't do that. What? And it's so frustrating because I was like, oh my God, like we're leading to this really cool thing. So that's why mm -hmm. he is dreaming of aliens is because he is part alien and now he's met Jordan, who, spoiler, is an alien, and he doesn't know that. Yeah. And I was like, here but we go. Like, thing. we're leading to this really cool ending, and it it just kind of petered out, and I was I was bummed. And I, I, I almost hate to say it, but Jordan is something of a manic pixie dream girl. Totally. Okay. Well, but... <laughs> Something, yeah. not not entirely, but almost. She leans a little bit. The, the character leans a little bit into that trope, uh, not entirely, but it's there. But then he's having nightmares of these like really kind of menacing-looking, scary aliens—the kind that gave me nightmares as right. a kid. The, we're know, talking watched, fire like, in the sky. Mysteries. Put you in the put oh, you in the God, honey. Fire in the sky. Cut your bones up. <gasps> yeah. Fire in the sky to this day is one of the scariest movies I've ever watched, hands down. And this thing is like. I don't, mm, that's another story entirely. Uh, so he's dreaming of these like super menacing, like from stock footage from like, you know, Secrets of the Beyond or whatever, and, you know, Discovery alien Channel. Uh, <laughs> alien Autopsy uh, or the Unexplained Files. Uh, um, and here's Jordan Waters, who is this like, Adorable, attractive, young, very human-looking woman, very quirky, very fun, yeah. very artistic, very, like, engaging person, like, had, like really draws you into her world with just, a, you know, a single line, a single look sort of person, with like everybody. that kind of character. Even, like, strangers. Yeah, everyone around yeah, her. Everyone around her is yes. like, oh, my God, this girl's amazing. Like, everybody just loves everyone, her. Everyone, yeah. Exactly. Everyone is so drawn to her, not just David. She's... Thank you. She's very charismatic. And all of that, like, juxtaposed against these, like, evil-seeming, the menacing-seeming aliens that David is dreaming about, and we never get any reconciliation of that. There's, like, at no point do we get to learn, like, oh, like, yes, you know, like, we visit your, your planet all the time, but there are also, like, you know, like, less uh, well-intentioned uh, beings that visit you or, like, oh, yeah, that's what we really look like and we appear this way not to scare you. Like, there's nothing like that. We get nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate and that there is no, uh, that there's no, like, real good payoff for that. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like, it's almost there. Like, it's, everything mm -hmm. is there. Like, mm -hmm. you know, they've set up all the dominoes and then just as, yes. just as they're about to tip one over, they tip it to the right instead of backwards. And you're like, ah, come, <laughs> man, come <Yeah>. on. <laughs> it's not even supposed to fall that direction. Like the domino can't fall sideways. What have you done here? <laughs> yeah, but and that's and that's exactly what it felt like, you know. And it, so it was very frustrating. So, so anyway, you know, uh, he meets Jordan. They have this really great relationship, 
And then the end of it gets kind of weird. And you're right. This is where it gets set up to be a perfect Manic Pixie Dream Girl because she comes into his life. She lightens it up. She helps him, you know, kind of like mm -hmm. in his in his like interior bot, you know, like in his mind, reconcile things with his father by like putting things better into better perspective. She, you know, goes to his work and she's looking at their formula of this, you know, thing that they're doing and it's like not working out. And she was like, oh, the formula's wrong. And they were like, you know, and he blows up on her like, what the fuck does that? You know, he doesn't swear. But he's like, what does that mean? How would you know? You just do art and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, no, never mind. Wink, wink. <laughs> does a dance like, you know, Charleston's out yeah. of the room um, to be like, <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. Um, Michigan J. And then, yeah. Right. <laughs> Hello, my friend. <laughs> and then uh, she, uh, you know, and then he looks back and he's like, oh, my God, she was right. And this is that moment of like. There's our conflict. You know, this is the, uh, you know, where he goes to her apartment and he finally gets to see her in the park. And he's like, you know, uh, I, I love that you're cold when it's, you know, 90 degrees outside. And I love that you always smell, you know, the, the thing from uh, when Harry met Sally. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's having that whole moment with her. And uh, but then like and then she provides an answer. She gives him mm -hmm. the perfect answer. So in the end of the movie, so uh, yeah, so basically he's trying to figure out the the quantum drive thing. She in passing mentions that the formula is wrong. He kind of blows up on her uh, about it. And I, I know that it's like, we're supposed to get that it's because this is the climax of his father just having the panic attack, uh, you know, and like the, uh, you know, the formula is not working and he doesn't feel like it's ever going to work. And, you know, so he just, this is, this is supposed to be his, his climactic moment of like, Oh shit, everything's gone wrong. I'm a failure blow up on all my friends and then be like, hey, I'm sorry, the end of the movie, resolve, you know? Mm -hmm, um, but it kind mm -hmm. of felt manufactured a little. Like, it didn't feel natural. Well, it's just like it, we we see a few times throughout the film, like here and then, like, in, in a few moments when we get to the, like, ending, so to speak, uh, are great examples where, like, his default reaction is just to be a dick to people when things aren't going uh, quite right. Like he does it a bit to his father. Uh, he definitely does it to, uh, to both Bill and to uh, Jordan in this sequence. Yep. And, you know, where like they could have been like, <clears throat> wait, what do you mean? It's wrong. Like, how is it wrong? Right. And like, if she like had been willing to, she could have pointed out like specifically because she later does. Yeah. Uh, no, no, she no, doesn't. they, uh, they figured, figured out. It out. He's like, Bill oh my God, she was right. Yeah. Um, and she later kind of gives him a, a reasoning why, but like that's much later. Uh, but like he just like flips out, and there's the whole like you're just an artist thing, and she's like, well, you're just kind of a dick, aren't you? And then she leaves, and then later on when like all is revealed, and she like literally like t she's like, you can come with me. I'm not from here. Wink, wink. You can come with me, and like actually like zaps him up into her ship that he sees come for like he, he has seen the ship before that's what gets him started on the whole triangles thing because uh, she makes a, a sculpture that looks like the ship that he keeps yep. seeing like she like zaps him up into it and he goes right back into that default reaction of being a dick like what is this where are we what have you, you done lied to me this you? whole time instead of being like, like oh my god i was right this is vindication yeah. <laughs> vindicated I was uh, selfish. He was selfish. He was wrong. He was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it is, and I was right. I swear I was right. I knew it all along. <laughs> and I'm flawed. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. 
Is this movie about that song? I think song? this movie is about that song. It should have been. <laughs> and, and that's it. He, he gets up there and, and it's like everything he was working for because his formula was specifically for interstellar travel. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to do a thing and it's going to be cool. And then, oh my God, we could totally use this for interstellar travel. No, his distinct purpose was to create interstellar travel he comes up with the formula he finally gets up in a spaceship and his girlfriend who he's already professed his love for like five seconds ago is like hey dude you got it right so because of that we can be together and aliens are going to introduce themselves and you are going to basically bring humanity to other planets like you have you have solved it like you have figured out mm-hmm. the the riddle you know this is like and and there is kind of hints of um you know in the IMDb uh fun facts they say that there's a lot of hints to Star Trek um and in this yeah. and there is first contact yeah so yep. they talk about how uh Jordan and the aliens lived uh among the humans basically just to observe them they never like helped them along the way or anything although i would kind of argue that she kind of does um a little bit i mean i feel like he would have figured it out eventually but you know kind of like that like oh i tripped and dropped this formula on the ground just oh, it, let me it's get like it, real quick. it was it was a real subtle thing too, because all she did was point out that it was wrong. Yep. She doesn't tell them them why, and like they had this this sense all along, like we're so close. There's something not right. What are we missing? And she just points out the the same thing that they already know that something's missing, and that gets them to like reapproach it and realize that they had a you know a minus sign instead of a, a plus sign where they needed to, and like and like suddenly that solves it. And like he has later has the that was uh, Bill that that figured that out. David later has this whole breakthrough when looking at uh, this old gear that his father had bought for uh, for his inventing, uh, and that's where you know we mentioned that earlier. That's the the one thing that like. It just kind of feels like a throwaway thing that it didn't need to yeah. be there, but like that's his big inspiration. Like he sees the shape of it, and it, like it reminds him of the shape of something that uh, he saw an experiment running in the lab, and it also reminds him of you know Jordan's artwork, and he like realizes like oh you know she she calls the 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 sculpture of the the ship she calls it quantum leap, and that's uh, you know a reference to you know electrons being able to spontaneously move from one orbit to another like in an instant. Uh, so it's almost as though they exist two places simultaneously and he goes into this whole explanation of quantum physics uh for bill who presumably should have known all this anyway (laughs) uh basically leading to like to him saying like i figured out how to uh you know how to to crack this this you know problem of quantum physics so that we you don't move the object so to speak you just kind of rewrite its location right and like suddenly it becomes in this this other location in an instant, which is a really fascinating approach to uh, to space, you know, stellar travel, space travel, uh, using using quantum physics. I don't know how much the science that they uh, that they reference actually would hold up. No, I would guess probably flimsily, yeah. but still like very very cool concept. So she doesn't give that to him. But she she does help nudge him in the right direction, and like you know, at at this point, you know, she's leaving because like her mother will be like, oh, oh she's an ambassador. I love that. Yeah, you know, she speaks several languages. Uh, of course, her mother's a fucking alien. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Right. Uh, her mother returns, and she's like, you know, these people aren't ready. Um, you know, you you have to come back with us. Plus the whole you know, alien hunter thing, which is another yeah, subplot too. Yep. Um, Ray Ray wants. Yep. 
who believes that aliens are among us, who gets a, a really bizarre uh, wrap up to his story as well. But anyway, she, you know, you you have to come back with us, uh, and so that's why Jordan is leaving. Um, but when Jordan take you know, like realizes that like he's cracked the code and she takes him to to see his ship, that's when she says like, you know. Humanity wasn't ready, uh, but you you have gotten them to there because you are going to get, introduce them to interstellar travel. That means that we can introduce our, ourselves to you because you know we don't interfere with primitive cultures. And again, he's still being a dick. What do you mean by primitive offense yeah, she taken? Says, no offense, offense taken. I was like, first off, who wrote that? Second <laughs> off, yeah. get, calm down. <laughs> like if if I was dating a girl, which by the way. All of this takes place over the course of maybe 48 hours. It's a very fast-moving relationship. Very, and I mean, uh, sure, it's it's a rom-com. They're in love because of the thing. Sure, great. I'm all for it, right? But 48 hours <laughs> passes, and I'm sorry, if, if even after two days, if I met a girl and she was like, hey, I'm an alien, and I'm gonna, I just teleported you up into my spaceship... And I said, like, you just cracked the code to make it so aliens can come to Earth and share knowledge and things. I wouldn't be like, is that even your real name? I would be like, this is the coolest fucking moment of my life. (laughs) Show me around your ship. This is, tell me everything. Like, I wouldn't even, like, the girl wouldn't even exist at that point. I would just be like... What does this button do? What is this? What do you really look like? Show me your plant. Like, where the fuck are we going now? This is great. Uh-huh. Like, the last uh-huh. thing I would be concerned about is something trivial like, you lied to me. I would understand. I would be like, of course you lied to me. You were an mm-hmm. undercover alien. I'm not offended. I understand that you were literally preserving your entire species and the sanity of our planet. I get it. I'm not a fucking yeah. idiot. I'm an astrophysicist. <laughs> A quantum yeah. physicist yeah. or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> I can put two and two together here. So I just think it's it's an absurd... He has an absurd reaction to this whole moment instead of instead of being in awe, which is what he should be as a scientist. Oh, yeah. He is... It's he eventually a, gets there, but it's like, it's just a shitty... Like, it's kind of this weirdly aggressive... As a, as a living, breathing human being, being shown these wonderful things should have left him in in awe and silence. Um, but instead, he runs his fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah, right. Instead, he <laughs> David, goddamn it, right? David. He ends up like you know, almost trying to gaslight his girlfriend. <laughs> fucking weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so there's also this, you know, as we mentioned, Ray. There's this weird subplot with Ray where we see, you know, Ray is this, uh, you know, older guy. He's at a university. He goes in to, to the, the dean or whatever and is like, hey, why was I pulled off of the speaker thing? And she's like, well, because the last three years, you just keep giving talks on the fact that aliens live among us. And like, that's crazy. Don't do that. And he's like, but they're here, I tell you. And she's <laughs> like, prove it and you'll get your spot back. Just prove it. Show me proof and you'll get your spot back. So he eventually tracks down Jordan and there's like this weird little plot where it kind of carries on and it's kind of one of the reasons why Jordan needs to leave you know the mother says like hey this alien hunter like he he's on your trail like he knows you're an alien she's at Mm -hmm. you know he's after you and like you know we kind of need to pull back for a little bit because like they're you know it's getting a little too intense uh with people being outed as aliens and you know there's a moment where she like has to lose him in a building 
uh, and uh, you know that. But in the end, uh, when she's about to leave, David comes and sees her, and the Ray sees them get beamed up into the spaceship, and he's like, "No, take me with you. Come back." And of course, he never does. But then later, after that whole resolution where, you know, they finally, you know, David and Jordan get their their kissy smooch moment of like, we're together <laughs> and I accept everything and let's do this and I'll come with you. Uh, she Jordan knocks on Ray's door and he's like, oh, it's you. <laughs> and she's like, hey, l- let me make it up to you. And so the implication is that she gives him an interview for him to write a book that aliens are among us now that the world knows that uh, aliens exist. You know, the aliens come in and they integrate with humans. He basically writes a book about aliens among us. Which is kind of wild because, like, his whole thing is, like, his, his uh, like, reputation, his credibility, his career are all, like, in the tanks because of his, like, insistence on, you know, aliens being uh, among us here on Earth. Oh, and this you is know, a year later, out, by the way, that this yeah, happened, that I, she comes to him. Yeah, and, like, turns out, like, he was right, but, like, she, you know, she, she comes to him and she... She gives him the interview and then, you know, fast forward a year and like now he's got this book deal and like he's super popular and the woman from the university who snubbed him for the conference is there and like wants the book signed and wants him to be the keynote speaker and like, you know, his reputation is restored. And we know that at this point that the world knows that aliens exist and, you know, Jordan's mom is doing, you know, uh, Doing, you know, having an ambassador, uh, yeah, being an ambassador. (laughs) She's meeting with with world leaders and impressing them by speaking to them in in their own language. And uh, David is doing a a lecture tour all about his, you know, quantum drive and all this stuff like that. But we never learn exactly how Ray goes from like completely like shunned, like considered to be a crackpot to like this celebrated author in less than a year. Just because people know about aliens. Yeah, you know what? Everyone fucking knows about aliens now. Right. Like, you're not special, right. buddy. Like, I, I, like, Ray goes a little bit uh, in a weird, creepy, stalkerish uh, direction. And at one point, like, Jordan even has this, you know, nightmare of him, like, putting her on an autopsy table to, like, dissect her and all this stuff like that. So we, we don't know throughout the movie, like, what his actual intentions are. It seems like he just wants to be validated, but then that happens and she's scared of him. And, like, he's the reason that, you know, her mother wants to pull her off the planet. All of these things. And then just suddenly, like, he's good. He's he's set for life now. And, like, I want to know what happened to Ray. Yeah. I mean, that's another one of those plots, though, that I think if you would have wrote in a better rom-com uh, part of it, we would have spent more time with David and Jordan building that relationship. We would have subtracted. Okay, so we'll go we'll go to this part of the movie. So how would, how would we rewrite this movie? So... I would have dropped the father thing um, completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I just mm-hmm. would have had him be messy hoarder, failed inventor, called it a day. Mom died eventually. Cool. That's whatever. You know, like that's part of the, that is just part of the story, or, you know, however it is. And, you know, he meets Jordan. He's struggling, you know, uh, uh, um, professionally. He can't figure out this formula. He gets uh, this really great distraction with her. They spend a lot of this time, and she basically teaches him to, like, 
relax and think outside of the box. That's the thing where he was like, oh, you're saying I should think outside of the box. And she's like, no, she's like, I'm saying that there isn't a box. And I think, which is a really fun, it's a great line. And it's used, it's used as a setup later. And that is a great line to, to imply like what that's the manic pixie dream girl part of it. Right. She's fixing him, Mm -hmm. um, for free basically. Uh, and so that's our setup is, you know, she basically think, you know, has him start thinking less of in the box and thinking that there is no box and that the world is whatever, which eventually leads him to the the two post note thing of like, you know, you would say these things are identical, but what if we just change the thing? So it's just, we change the location instead of the object so that the mm-hmm. location changes, but the object stays where it is type deal or, you know, however they science explain it. And then we have the moment where the mom is like, hey, we we got to leave this planet like you know they're they're not ready for us yet like we were here basically to see if they were ready you know to do it but we're not there yet and she has her moment of like no mom you don't understand like i'm with this guy i love him i'm with this human i love him he's on the verge of this breakthrough like you know don't don't let me leave like i want it like he's almost there he he can do it i have faith in this these this you know these people or whatever and then conflict conflict she has to leave anyways he figures it out they have their connecting moment he gets beamed up to the thing and the rest of the movie carries on exactly how it is you know aliens integrate uh with humanity that's how i would rewrite it yeah, I think uh, you know, drop the 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 conflict with the father. I think drop the the mother died trip because I don't yeah, like it. I mean, she I, she I could have been there, you know. Like she just it's not necessary. Yeah, and honestly, like Liz, this is the mom now. Yeah, Liz is the, there. You yeah. go. Problem solved because you have a motherly character there who yep. is who is wonderful. Like she she is. Super helpful to both uh, Marty, the father, and to, to David. And, like, the way they interact feels almost more naturally like a family than when, was it, Veronica was the, the mother? Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, yep. Veronica Bennett. It, like, Liz's interactions with the, the, the two men almost feels more like they're a family than Veronica. You know what? Like, ditch the whole plot of her dying. Ditch anything with, you know, the, the, the dad being in, in conflict with and just, like, you know what? Liz's mom. Okay, problem solved. That there's there's the family, and we get you know a little bit of a hint of you know when he was a kid. You know, mom took him to to, to the park to like you know her favorite spot, and dad inspired him to to want to create and to want to like see the stars. Cool. Move on. Then yes, we have yep. the the whole. You know, I'm a physicist now. I'm trying to crack the code. I meet the this woman. She's you know she's she's not from around here, and uh, she teaches them like you said to to think differently. To think you know there is no box. Uh, I do think there still needs to be some form of conflict. So yes, have Ray. Ray is you know he he thinks he's so close to the truth. Ray's not a bad guy in any sense, and doesn't even need to like we don't need the weird like I'm gonna see what's inside you, Missy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mad scientist scene. We don't need that. Like he doesn't have to be a creepy stalker. Just like she realizes that he's getting a little too close, so she you know, like she thinks that she can dodge him and she's fine. Mom steps in and says like No, no, you don't understand. Like he's way too close. We have to get you out of this. And then there's the breakthrough that allows them to say like, we actually don't have to leave. And she lets Ray uh, in. We get to see how like you, maybe we don't have to see the whole thing, but we get to see that like she lets him in and like gives him the proof that he needs to restore his reputation and everybody lives happy somehow. 
and also David's not a dick when he gets to see the spaceship. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's exactly it. Yeah. Totally. I com- I completely agree. Um, so, uh, Caleb, we're really good at this. We should write a movie together. <laughs> we should. We oh, should. Why don't we? Uh, I think we did. And, uh, so by the way, before we wrap up this episode, nightshiftradio.com slash Somnium, we're still seeking funding. We have a director. We have a director of photography. We have an assistant director. We have an editor, a script supervisor. We have a composer. Who else do we have? I mean, we have a hair makeup, like... We have yeah, pretty much everything but cast uh, at this point. Like we're ready to go. We just need that extra bit of money uh, to so to pay exciting. for those people to do all the cool things and rent. Uh, we got to rent a bus, so we got to pay for those things because we got to we got to rent a bus for to film some scenes on. So we're there. We just need a little bit of help. The GoFundMe is linked down below. Nightshiftradio.com/slash/somnium. Uh, help us out with that. And you know what I want to mm. do? I want when when we do release this, I want to put together a panel of people whose movies we've particularly trashed and let them review. The Polonia ours. Brothers. <laughs> I noticed there was an absence of fire in your movie. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. At least ours had fire. I'm just putting it out there. Animated, yes, but. And that you know what honestly that's another thing that Alienated does really well. They don't do a lot of special effects, but what they do is clean and simple and not over the top and it works. Yeah. Like it doesn't take you out of the movie to see the like beam of light take the mother away from, you know, the stairwell just, just as David is running. Yeah, they up. kept it simple. Like it just it just yep. works. Yeah. And and if they if they needed fire, they they didn't animate it. <laughs> uh so should you watch this movie? It's cute. I think so. I mean I I think it's this is a hey, I don't know what to put on. I'm in I'm in the mood for something lighthearted. This is the movie to put on. Honestly, yeah. I mean, the, it was fun. I we we shared the same sentiment in like the first like ten minutes or so. I was like, this this is gonna be dumb, isn't yeah. it? And I actually like I I paused. I went and made lunch, and like I was telling Ellen about. It. She's like, did you start watching already? Because like sometimes she watches them with me, sometimes she doesn't. And I was like, yeah, this one. Like I, I kind of got the feeling it wasn't gonna be one that she would enjoy. And you know, sometimes I think you'll enjoy a movie, and it ends up being something that you clearly don't, uh, as happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, but rarely do I think ahead of time like, yeah, she's not gonna want to watch this one, and turn out to be wrong. I actually think I I might have made that mistake this time around. I think she like after that like first like ten to fifteen minutes. Once the story started going, and really, again, once Gracie Lacey made an appearance and stole the show, uh, I think it, it, we, we would have enjoyed watching it together. So I said, you know what? Yeah, put it on. Watch it. It's an hour and a half. It's fun. It's cute. Yeah. It's got some, it's got some downsides, but again, it's a, it, it's a better movie than a lot that we've watched. It, it is definitely a better movie than, it is a better movie than at least two of the five we did last month. Yeah, I would say I would put this in line with Asteroid. I think this okay. This kind of falls in line with that. Like it, it had a lot of good moments, and there's there's a lot of redeeming qualities to it. Same thing with Asteroid. Yeah. There was a lot of redeeming qualities for it. And it was just like it was just enough to make me be like, yeah, and but not enough to make me be like, yes, you know. Like it was just yeah. it's in, that in between uh, falls in that yeah. you know that bucket as we said. And you know what? I I would like to see more from. Some of these people. Totally. Absolutely. Yep. 
Um, so there you have it, guys. So hopefully you uh, uh, enjoyed our episode. Hopefully you made it this far. We super appreciate it. You know, if you have not hit that uh, subscribe button, go ahead and do so or follow. Uh, and if you happen to be on uh, Apple Podcasts or using Good Pods, highly recommend Good Pods or Podchaser. Uh, don't forget to leave a rating and review. We super uh, appreciate it. It's very helpful for us. It helps us grow, uh, especially on, mm-hmm. on Good Pods. We are in the, again, the top 50 um, uh, most listened to uh, indie podcast for film review. Uh, You'd love, love to, see, to it. see it. So definitely uh, give us a listen over on there and, and hit that like button um, and, and leave a review on Good Pods. It's great. Good Pods is super easy to manage too. I really like that. It's It's got like a very easy UI and UX. I've been happy with yeah. them. I've been happy yeah. with them. Uh, cool. So there it is. So thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time. Mm. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information. Mm-hmm.